Welcome back to Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. My name is Creek. We are currently working on the remaining few episodes for season three, but we thought it might be valuable to bring back an old episode for those of you that are maybe just joining us. In light of the topic of this season of of knowing your story, knowing what stories to drop, and knowing the stories of others, we thought a really good episode to highlight would be a episode from season one with Leslie Hirschberger titled Working With Your Type. Now, if you listen closely throughout the episode, you'll actually notice that she touches on those three points. It's one of our personal favorites and we hope that you will enjoy too. So take a listen and we're excited to share the remaining few episodes in season three in the weeks to come. You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time. Well, greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Fathoms Podcast. For this week's episode, we had the pleasure of interviewing Leslie Hirschberger. Leslie has been working with the Enneagram for over 20 years as a consultant, master teacher, coach, spiritual guide, facilitator, and mentor. She is certified in the narrative Enneagram tradition as well as the Enneagram in business. Creek and Drew, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed our time with Leslie. She's just full of of wisdom that only comes from, you know, the years that you experience um, that you can tell she has, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very apparent that that amount of experiential wisdom and just constant application and awareness uh, just really shown through in, in the fluidity and the wisdom that she shared. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, this conversation was just a great example of how we can uh, have a conversation with someone who knows the Enneagram so deeply, but do it in a way that's just really fun and interesting and engaging. And it's a great example of what we want for this podcast, which is to bring a really diverse group of voices to the table. Uh, Some that you may not have heard of before. If you have heard, maybe you you haven't heard some of the backstory of how they, you know, became who they were. And and Leslie just, she killed it in this episode. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she, uh, one of my favorite aspects of the whole thing is that she really gave, She's. it shows that she really gave her life, you know, to contemplative practice and teaching about um, just the spiritual side of the Enneagram and not as addition, but subtraction, you know, mm-hmm. uh, unbecoming who we're not. And she just talked about that uh, so well. And you may remember in our, in our first uh, episode, The Ego and Essence, um, Abram actually ended with a quote. And Seth, can you give us that quote real quick? Yeah, Leslie has has said that your Enneagram type is both your obstacle to love and your opening to love. So we cover a lot of ground in this conversation. We hear about Leslie's own Enneagram story. She talks about her engagement with uh, the world of integral theory, which may be a new concept to some in our audience. And she really talks about the impact that the Enneagram can have, not just you know for our own entertainment or information, but really for our own transformation. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Leslie Hirschberger. Well, Leslie, welcome. And thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on our podcast. We're really grateful to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, well, first off, um, how are you doing? How's it going for you amidst these fascinating times in our world? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, it you know it's it's kind of like when I'm facilitating groups where we're working with people 
you know, and offering support. It's de- what what day are you asking? What minute are you asking? Um, <laughs> today's a good day. You know, I had a client, a really curious client, uh, right before this conversation. So that um, that kind of lights me up. We had a really good session last night with the Hive. I don't know if you all are familiar with that, but it's a local, mm-hmm. yeah, here mm-hmm. in town and um, working with spiritual presence and relationships. But then there's mm-hmm. other days where I just, I feel really sad. Um, you know, there's a lot in my family. I still haven't met my grandson. That makes me really sad. Oh, that's uh, awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's three months. He's growing up and um, wow. there's already two trips that have been canceled. Um, mm. So, yeah, so it just depends on when you ask. But right now, I feel really good and I'm just really excited to be on this call with the three of you. Mm. Well, uh, for our listeners, could you just then tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you live, um, your story, maybe a little sure. bit of your story of finding the Enneagram and your, how sure. it plays a role in your life? Sure. So I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, it's it's interesting. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> wait a minute. I'm married to a guy whose father <laughs> played for Michigan. <laughs> he, he played in the Rose Bowl. Oh well, my children grew up in Michigan sleepers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm an outlier. <laughs> uh. but, um, but yeah, so um, it, it, it's funny because Helen Palmer calls this her East Coast base, which I always laugh that Cincinnati's the East Coast is <laughs> someone who lives in Berkeley, but it, but it is. And there's just, it's a real hotbed for the Enneagram uh, here. And yeah. um, I actually got into it in my 30s and I wanted to understand my children because they were heading into middle mm. school and adolescence. And um, the way they made their way in the world was so different from me. And it was kind of freaking me out. So I got, I'm a seven on the, I'm a social seven on the Enneagram. So I moved around a lot growing up. My strategy was going on in and getting right on into the middle of a group and, you know, uh, doing what I do. And my Mm -hmm. children had no interest in that. Most of them lie somewhere on the introversion scale. And so um, I started reading everything I could of understanding personality when they were little, when they were Mm -hmm. young. And somebody at the Jesuit um, University here said, have you ever heard of the Enneagram? And picked it up and started reading about it and literally was blushing in bed when I got to seven. I felt <laughs> like somebody had crawled into my insides. <laughs> and it was um, it was very upsetting and unsettling, so much so that I, back in the early days of the internet, I tried to find if there was anything local and Tom Condon was coming within like that weekend. Mm. Oh, and I wow. went... Yeah. yeah, I went and um, I saw it. And after the weekend, I came home and said to my husband, this is what I want to do with my life. And mm. so called some some people at the workshop and said, who do I study with? And they all, this is a very narrative community and um, recommended Helen and David. So yeah. I started, I went into um, uh, starting to studying with the narrative tradition with Helen Palmer and David Daniels out in um, San Francisco because that was the only place you could go at that time and it was life-changing and I was also noticing a lot of people involved with Enneagram work were really into you know we're we're therapists and you know we're working with um, the psychological dimensions and I was really interested in the spiritual dimension of the Enneagram so I decided to go get a master's mm-hmm. in theology and I focused on the um, 
you know, contemplative arms of the traditions, primarily Buddhism, Christianity, uh, a little bit of Judaism, and um, focusing on, you know, the just, yeah, the mystical arm of Christianity and doing papers on John of the Cross and Evagrius and mm, wow. writing about the Enneagram. Yeah, and just seeing mm. the overlay of... Um, contemplative practice, reading John of the Cross, the dark night of the soul and seeing the Enneagram in it. Can you tell us like what it is that you do now then with, well, with the Enneagram? Well, you know, like, that's, a, that's a great question because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a seven, so there's more than one thing. <laughs> right, right, of course. <laughs> because during all of that time, businesses started calling me. And I was, mm. I'm a teacher. I mean, that's what I've, that was what I, my degree was in. That's what I did in my first life. I, I was a school teacher. And, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I was teaching. And, and so I thought, oh my God, you know, business. And so I went and certified with Ginger Lapid Bogda on the Enneagram in business. Ended up bringing her here to Cincinnati and helping her, you know, with training new coaches. But I, I started working within the business realm and mm. finding my way to mentors there. So that's one part of what I do. I would say my love is, is working with people, um, doing depth work with people. I do coaching. I do spiritual guidance, a lot of it. And people come to me and I'm very, on my website, I've really set it up that I'm, um, you know, we're going to go to different kinds of places. We're not going to go stick with Enneagram descriptors. We're going to be looking at, you know, your attentional style, your emotional habits, um, working a lot with somatics and seeing how the body holds your type structure. But, you know, after, after dancing in the integral world for about five years, doing a course, an Enneagram course with integral life, doing a um, contemplative course with them or, or, or integral Christian practicum with them, I just needed to come back to Cincinnati and I felt like I wanted to just work boots on the ground with people here because mm -hmm. just what you were talking about, it, it, I could just, that people were lonely. They were, they, they needed, they needed groups. And I thought, you know, I can do this all over, but it's really needed here. And if you look at the stages of development, Cincinnati is just a, is, is a real kind of ground zero for, for a lot of what's getting played out in the culture. And so I just decided to start. It's not that I don't travel anymore because I do, but I started to really focus my attention here. Yeah, well, I think this is a kind of a good next step uh, from what we've been talking about. Um, but something I'd love to get into is how, you know, since the Enneagram doesn't really come with methods for how to travel or use the map, how you specifically engage that, um, you know, as you know, like the Enneagram offers us deep insight into human capacity and human conditioning. Mm -hmm. But unless we, unless we partner, you know, the information to deepen our awareness, it tends to just reinforce who we're not. So, like you said, you use mm -hmm. you use tools um, like integral theory, Ken Wilber's four quadrants, and you have studied up on the perennial tradition, and you you know about spiral dynamics, like you were just addressing. So. Obviously, we don't have time to get to, you know, those things. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <We're> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could. We could go there for a while. But, uh, it's okay because, but I, yeah, I actually think the question... The five hours, hours gonna, later. I think the question you're asking is actually the one that's closest to my heart, though. 
Yeah. 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 I'd love mm. to hear about how you partner these tools with the Enneagram to help bring about transformation. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as you know, I, I mean, I have a lot of opinions about how popular the Enneagram has gotten. It's, a, it's great. You know, it's all of right. that kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's weird to have been an outlier for 20 years and then all of a sudden, you know, I don't have to explain what it is to people anymore. Mm. Mm. But, you know, you have to deconstruct what they think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I find is, is people, I, okay, we'll say this. I've never had so many people come to me mistyped in my entire career. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah let's, let's come back to that. Yeah. That's amazing. Never had so many people because they are looking at the external behaviors. They're not looking at the inner, mm. inner construct of their type. And I've been part of a learning community for 20 years. Where we, where we sit with people who have a really good inner observer and, and self-reflective capacity, articulating the internal structure of these nine types. And so it, you really get into the nuance of it and you can really see it from in a way that just takes, just takes time. And um, the mm. other piece that I use a lot of for two, I did a two-year research project with Renee Rosario of the Narrative Tradition and a woman named Clara mm -hmm. Lucas. And we... Um, we were looking at the uh, three centers and understanding them from the Gurdjieff model. But what I really love was Suzanne Zercher's work where yeah. it, it started to make sense for me. So I started playing with it with my with students here in Cincinnati, group participants and seeing how it landed. And I started taking it into business of seeing how does this land with you body type? that you are actually the feelers of the Enneagram. They're, they're the feeling center. Now, Helen wasn't excited about us using the word feeling because she felt like it mm. would confuse people, like emotion, feeling. But the, but the body type, the eight who mm. I was working with, was very strong on this use of the word feeling because she talked about, now she's an eight, so she talked about that like life is a body slam. And mm. that, that it hits mm -hmm. us, right? And it just hits us so strongly. And finding ways to articulate what's happening inside of us, is, 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 it actually can overwhelm our system. Mm. And so she said, you know, mm. and, and there was so much brilliance that came out of, you know, working with her and understanding the body types in a deeper way. And that the emotional, the heart types, types two, three, and four, are actually the doing center. So they're, they've got like little tentacles, you know, out to the field outside of themselves. But when I bring them into somatic practice, I can't do that in our early sessions because they first have to feel like we've got a connection. Because if I'm bringing them inside of themselves, if they don't have a lot of spiritual capacity, they've never done this before, closing their eyes can feel kind of overwhelming because they, are, they can't read me. <laughs> mm. Because that's mm -hmm. where all the that's where all the juice lives is outside of me sensing <laughs> your emotion, so I can connect. And Renee was like, "Yeah, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a shape shifting, and it's a shape shifting in mm -hmm. order to connect." So, yeah. mm -hmm. so understanding that and that the head types the dominant function is perception, the secondary mm -hmm. function is feeling the body, but the buried function is doing, and we head types can get frozen in the thoughts. Mm. So yeah. so there's a dominant yeah. function, mm. a secondary function, and a buried function for each of these centers. And that's how I work with people and bring mm -hmm. them into a more, mm. so we do a lot of somatic work, a lot of sensing the body, a lot of seeing how the type structure is housed in the body, 
working with giving that some spaciousness, how to relax it, how to, you know, to come back home to it, drop into it, feel it, relax it. And then you're not thinking about like, okay, if you're a nine, you're not thinking about right action. Rather, as you start to relax Mm. the structure of your type, what the next thing to do rises to the surface because you're not contracted against yourself. Mm. Leslie, this is Drew. Uh, Is this what you're getting at with a quote that I think has gotten some traction in this kind of meme and Instagram heavy Enneagram culture? One of your quotes has seemed to make the rounds, which is the Enneagram isn't the first thing, it's the second thing. And then you go on to unpack (laughs) that a little bit. Is that what you're getting at there? Exactly, exactly. So it's like, and, 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 you know, in a, in a real practical experience, it's that, you know what, I cannot talk to my husband about this thing. And we go in circles again and again and again. That's the first thing. I want to connect with my partner Mm. and we can't get connection here. And it hurts. It causes us both suffering. Well, now what do we do with that? Well, a therapist Mm. can give us a, you know, a unbiased view. But what a therapist does is they hold space. And space to me is one of the most important and missing pieces in understanding your work with the Enneagram. Mm. There has to be enough contemplative space, enough of a pause to see what's happening in the present moment to make any movement. And so, you know, I'm an mm. assert type. He's a nine, right? So I have to give enough space for him to be able to step into it. So the first thing for me in terms of, or the second thing, the first thing is I want to communicate with him. But understanding my type is like, okay, I can feel my solar plexus completely revved right now and I want my position heard. Mm. And I got to put it forward. I need to be heard. Well, good luck with that. Mm. Right? It doesn't work. Right. So what I have to do is I have to drop inside, see that part of myself that's like a, you know, a revved up train in my solar plexus and come back home to myself, relax it. And then something opens up and I can actually see the integrity of his position. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of that um, Victor Frankl quote, you know, between stimulus and the response, there's a space. And, and it seems like that's, you know, what you're exactly. talking about. How, how would you say that we, we cultivate that space? How do we f- first off find it, but I mean, is it always there? Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's where I think spiritual practice comes in. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, I was working with some people the other day and sent them the, I don't know if you've ever seen the tree of contemplative practices, um, but it's all sorts of ways Mm, of, of slowing because that's the very first thing is slowing, but there's ways your type is going to contract against slowing. That's where it becomes the second thing. And so getting to know what that is, and sometimes I think it helps to be to work with someone who knows how to guide you in that, whether it's in a group or whether it's in a one-on-one, because cognition, the cognitive understanding of the Enneagram is going to only get you so far. So you have to cultivate this capacity to pause and to allow... Um, yourself to feel what's happening. I'll give you an example. I'm coaching two guys. They're both threes and they're leaders. And, you know, they're really good at um, tasks and goals. They're really good at looking at, the, you know, strategic plans for their for their company. But because they move so fast, all these feelings get moved underground. And it starts emerging on the team. It starts emerging in themselves. And so we we meet 
And this is business. It's not all there. I don't think either one of them, one of them probably has a, a, has a practice. One of them I know doesn't. I send him to the beach <laughs> to walk for 15 <laughs> minutes <laughs> and to because yes. he lives near a beach to walk for 15 mm. minutes and ask yourself, how do I feel? Mm. Start there. You know, wow. with the other one, I know he sits in a practice. Start there. What are you feeling? Get to know your feelings mm-hmm. so that when we sit together and we pause and, th- and in that space in between, well, they start to feel. And then the vulnerability yeah. comes into the space and they can start seeing the other. And then you watch them contract against it. Don't go there. Don't go there. Right. And then you then you create some more mm-hmm. safety so to open it up, to let them see. It's hard work when you're with somebody else. But you can do the practice by yeah. yourself and just start practicing. You know, what are your obstacles to spiritual presence? It's, it's yeah. strange. This dominant type three's office is dusty all of a sudden. I don't know why. <laughs> is work, do you have some work to do there? Oh, well, Here, you go ahead, Drew. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, when was the last time you were at the beach, Drew? Uh, too long. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm in Indiana, so. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of beaches Gosh, there, no. right? Oh man. Okay, so, so Drew, off to the woods. Off to yeah. the woods. Yeah. No, and I'll it. say mm. that. I'll say that to threes. It's like, okay, start with your five senses. All right. Pause. Take a mm. walk. Because I know for threes, and my admin's a three. And she said, Leslie, the first few years I worked with you, I had to roll on a ball. Mm. I couldn't sit in the chair. Mm. But I could roll mm. on the ball and I could feel how the ball moved on my body. Mm. All right. So start where you are. Start there. That's great. And mm. it, and to slow it. So, okay, so what comes up for me when I slow it down? Yeah. All right. Well, this is stupid for God's sakes. I have so much better. There's so many better <laughs> things I could be doing. Yeah, I'd rather mm. go read a book on contemplative practice. Maybe I'll even write one. Oh. Right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, was, that was a low blow. <laughs> oh, no. Did you read a book? No, on no, 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 no. No, <laughs> Drew is about ready to release a book. Yeah, yeah, anyway. You know the three structure well. Yes. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Let's leave it. Well, you're the core of the, you're the, core of the doing center, oh, man. right? Well, I'm right. going to go yeah. do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I always see it. There's just so much courage when threes can come and they can sit. And, but what, I, what we do is we just start with good enough presence, mm. Yeah, you know? And I'll, and I'll joke with them. Okay, you don't... I mean, I loved it when I was listening to Thomas Keating talk one time about when he first went into the monastery and he had this... He, he was a one, but he would say... He had this whole thing of like, I will meditate you under the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Leslie, this yeah. is Creek. I wonder, uh, for those that are uh, more newer to the Enneagram, could you, I guess most people are more familiar with maybe the language of the body center being the doing, the heart center being yeah. the feeling, and the head center being yeah. the thinking. So why do you yeah. use different language in that? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a, it was really, so... Actually, you know, if you do look at the Gurdjieff work, I, I, I actually think it's a misnomer. I think that's mm. the, the doing is, I just, I would say for you, for you out there and, and mm-hmm. each, of the, each of the three of you, <laughs> start playing with it. Yeah. Start noticing mm. what happens when you're in presence. Mm-hmm. Start noticing for the body types. 
it is a, it is action. There is a lot of, you know, body types want to move into action, but a lot of times it's because of the strong feeling. And mm-hmm. and when I've gone, so I've taken this on the road and I've asked a lot of body types and they say, this is the first time I feel like somebody un- understands me. Like when I did the video on body types during the pandemic, they're like, God, you understand me. Mm-hmm. I do feel things strongly. Yeah. You know, and it really helped me understand my my husband's freeze response. Hmm. You know, it's not action that he does. It's a freeze response in him. And when I see an eight starting to armor up, it's a lot of feeling in their bodies where the heart types, it's like I see, I feel it out there. And once I feel it out there, now there's something to do about it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay, I start to have a, it's, it's almost like, Getting, and I would say work with it yourself. When I bring body types, or excuse me, heart types, types two, three, and four into their own experience, there's a lot of checking in with me. And when Suzanne Zercher described that in her book, I just thought, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And there's mm-hmm. another guy, it's a, it's a book called The Enneagram Triads. It's out of print. It's written by a guy named D- yeah. Dick Wright. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen it? And yeah. he calls the twos and threes and fours people of production. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Right? And the eight, nines, and one people of passion. They feel strongly mm. about things, that it's their instinctive function. They encounter feeling in its deepest sense. It's the felt sense. It's like good, bad, what I like, what I dislike, what's pleasant, unpleasant. Mm. And I think if I think it's a bunch of crap, I don't want to deal with it. Mm. You know, it's like I'm not interested. Mm. <laughs> they just, yeah. yeah. Right? Mm. And so, yeah. so it's, you know, because they're so immersed in their feelings and their instinctive sense of things, um, you know, they tend to focus more on, um, yeah, like, like what, what's my instinctive sense of things? And if you try to move me from that, it's kind of in a personal attack. You're trying to control me. So I would say, Creek, that a lot of it has to, I, I would say, do it with your own inquiry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I found mm-hmm. this, when I found this, it just made sense to me. And like mm-hmm. I said, we, we searched it a couple of years, started bringing it on the road. And this is what I think too. I've been working with, you know, I, I, there's, um, you've heard of the stances, like the three, seven, and eights considered the assert, mm-hmm. the assert types based on um, Karen Horney's triads. Well, there's different schools of thought on that. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's always bad because what we could do is we could go into a lot of theory. I think what I'm most interested in is what's useful right now. Yeah. So when I'm working with somebody and they come in and if they're they're in a traditional stage of faith, so we start there. I ask them what are their concepts of spirit? What are their concepts? And then we start there. Because one of the things that I really appreciated that Gurdjieff, or excuse me, Jacob Needleman talked about, which is, um, he was a student of Gurdjieff's. We're basically saying in order to help awaken people, like mysticism and spirituality is not enough. Social action and caring is not enough. What the lost element in religion is, that movement within myself, all right, that can um, guide, you know, the arising of, you know, that I can attend to both forces of human nature, the mysticism and spirituality, that inner inner life, that social action and caring, the external. I can attend to these movements in me 
and then guide the arising of this force within my neighbor in a manner suited to his or her own or their own understanding. Hmm. Right? So you're sensing into hmm. what is their worldview? Start there. Where is their block? Start there. And so I love looking into all of these different, you know, sensibilities. You know, you all, uh, you know, you know that I did the um, interview with, you know, B and Mario Sakura, Peter mm -hmm. O'Hanrahan and Russ Hudson mm -hmm. a few weeks back of these different understandings of subtypes and the instincts. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, dive in and, and how does it land with you? How does it work with you? Rather than trying to find the one right way, mm -hmm. um, how, how is it supporting your path today? Leslie, I love that you're, I don't know if you guys caught this, but you're just like fluidly uh, working in and out of the quadrants and spiral dynamics, just your language, I can tell. And you're, you're like inadvertently answering my, my earlier question about how you partner these things. Mm. So yeah. I just, that, that was beautiful. I love how you're, you're just, it just seems so natural to you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you've been doing this for a while, but yeah, well, I would, that was really beautiful. Well, I would thank say you. to each of you and any, anybody out there listening is that the first portal of entry or the first, the first step in spiritual awareness is to learn about the structure of your type. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in stages of awakening or stages of development, you know, whether we're talking about spiral dynamics, um, Fowler's stages of faith, Kohlberg's levels of moral development, Carol Gilligan's levels of female mm. moral development, I mean, any of it. Mm -hmm. Those are so interesting to me, not to everybody, but to me. And so study it cognitively, but know there's a limit to that. It yeah. is like, how do you get it in your bones and in your yeah. cellular structure? And it comes from living it. And this is why I love when Cynthia says, Cynthia Bourgeau says, wisdom isn't knowing more. It's a, it's a piece, mm -hmm. but it's knowing with more of you. And so mm -hmm. it's going from my cognitive understanding of, you know, when I, in fact, sometimes when I think about coming home, the course I did for Integral Life, and I think about those conversations in those days with Ken Wilbur, I felt like we were kind of standing at the, um, just kind of at that first level of learning. Not that saying that Ken was there, but that's where we were starting from. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think of where I am now compared to where I was when I taught that course, it's so different now hmm. inside of me. And that's just human. And I think that's quite frankly, what stopped me from writing so many times hmm. is that it's like, you know, I'm a head type. It's about competency, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and, you know, I remember when I was in my early, like I did a um, presentation in the early days, I was teaching on Christian mysticism. I taught with a Buddhist monk on on um, Zen practice and then a Jewish woman who taught Kabbalah. And so we're each were presenting from these different wisdom traditions. And David Daniels, my teacher, asked me to write with him. And I was all flattered, like, oh, God, you know, this is so cool. And Helen Palmer says, what do you have to write about? Get out there and teach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And her inevitable I've, I've Helen Way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like what I've heard other people describe about Helen. Yeah. yeah. she And you know what? Wow. It was kind of a yes and. There's a part of me that mm. kind of wishes mm. it would be, have been kind of great to write with David. I didn't. I... I 
there was some part of me that knew I understood it cognitively. But mm. I felt like I had more work to do. And a little bit of that was because kind of because I was chicken to write with David. Mm. <laughs> so let's just <laughs> yeah. be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. Man, that's so, so awesome. I, I knew this, this uh, conversation was going to be amazing, but it's already <laughs> gone over what I was expecting. I love yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other piece that I'm finding that gets me, you know, when you all reached out and that you were doing this Fathoms piece is that, that you knew that, that it was needed, all right? And so what mm. I've been really curious about is reading some of your, you know, what's coming out in this field of, you know, these people that for me are newer to the Enneagram. I know a lot of you, some of you have been with it for 10 years. Um, but there's always new material coming out and who I'm really interested in right now. And I've been doing a six month course with him is Thomas Hubel. And he's talking about intergenerational healing and trauma, collective trauma. And it's gotten me very interested in collective wisdom and and the collective is the new Mm. guru. Mm. Because when I Mm -hmm. was getting trained and this kind of speaks back to the Helen and David thing is that the guru model of teaching, you know, think of the 60s and think of, you know, the Beatles and, the, you know, all of the, the gurus from the East coming here to the States. And the guru model of teaching was, was, the, was the model. Mm. And that is how, when I listened to the old tapes of Helen teaching our learning community, it was Helen. Mm. There wasn't a lot from the collective field. If you listen to them now, it's just kind of blowing me away that I'm seeing that the collective itself, not every collective, but an intentional collective, and I'm sensing this in your generation, that an yeah. intentional collective can be its own guru. If, mm-hmm. the, if the quality of intention is strong enough, if there's some sort of inner practice and the creation of a resonant field, a coherent field, where wisdom comes up in that field and you're like, man, that just came out of my mouth. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or yeah. that just came out of your mouth. Wow. And mm. it's, it's becoming from a field of presence. Mm. And last night when we did this, I, I was so excited that when I, we all were together, like 50 of us on the call last night, and um, we did an inner practice at the end. And I thought, and it was on Zoom, and I've just been really sad because I was starting this collective wisdom cohort. <laughs> they asked what was my unique value proposition, you know, things web developers ask you. And I said, because we meet in, we meet in person and we create a, co- a coherent field in person. Yeah. Mm. And we can't do that. And last night at the end, I just went, I said to Troy Bronsink, who I, you know, who's founder of The Hive, did you feel that? Did, can you feel there's a field? Mm. And he said, yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, maybe it can happen on Zoom. But have you ever felt that when you're in a place and you all are in almost an altered collective state? I mean, again, for me, it happens at a Bruce Springsteen concert. But, <laughs> you know, have you found yeah. that in music? Yeah. That's, that's a, that altered state where something comes from you. And I bet some of you have found it through music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Where there's a coherent Absolutely. field and this creative something emerges from it that feels more expansive than we are. I think that can happen in mm-hmm. Enneagram groups because I've watched it happen. 
Mm. And I'm watching mm-hmm. Helen almost and she's and she's getting older, you know, she's kind of sitting back and we're all kind of stepping in and everybody's stepping into their own wisdom and it's really cool mm. to watch. And I almost feel one of the kind of the tenets in Integral is that evolution kind of starts to happen faster. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and I'm watching your generation. I'm thinking, I'm kind of wishing, like, God, oh, I wish it was coming of that time. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just really interesting watching all of you and seeing what's emerging out of you all at this time. I actually, I do wonder um, if some of that has to do with the emergence of social media, because you can no yeah. longer just be a, a broad generalist expert, because mm-hmm. everyone can be a broad generalist expert. Um, you have to be specific. You have to be unique. Um, that's what every marketer talks to their clients about is like, okay, what is the, what is the thing? It's your thing and it's the thing that only you do. And so we have to specialize now in, in a market that we're all connected. Um, So, I mean, that, yeah, it's kind of I a, think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. There's something about, do you want to yeah. know what else I notice about you all though? You're much more comfortable with the, the whole of you, mm-hmm. you know, you're, I, I find with my generation, it was a much more curated and you were able to protect, you were able to kind of build a self and put it out there mm. where I don't see that mm. as much with you. I mean, I think sometimes I, I feel like there's a certain kind of curated authenticity in the oh, millennials. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. where, it gets, oh, where it's kind of that shape-shifting imitation doing mm. thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah, there it, it feels there's a little bit more comfortable, a little more comfort with the whole of love yeah. who we are. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'm making mm-hmm. that up in my head. Is that how you experience it? Oh, uh, being the youngest one of the group, um, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, there's a, um, it's more of just kind of like, well, of course, like, mm-hmm. of course, this person doesn't hold ultimate knowledge, ultimate whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because just because, I mean, we can learn about this philosophy and this spiritual tradition and this thing over here and this thing over here. And we're just, whether we like it or not, our, our, our brains are expanding, our, our hearts are expanding. Um, and I think that also explains a lot of the, the division that is happening currently and the, the grasping Mm. onto something that I can blame, something that I can, um, hold on to because I'm sensing this expansiveness and the expansiveness feels scary. Yeah. 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 I, it it, it kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, what it's speaking to is the importance of presence and the cultivation of inner states of presence because then you can you know I love the work of Dan Siegel where he talks so much about building resilience I don't think and this this is why and this is where I can get on my soapbox is I don't think we know how to do it Mm. you know we read about Brene like everybody loves Brene Brown yeah but I've sat and worked with teams working with Brene Brown material and there's a way it's still it's still hanging out in cognition and we don't mm. know what to do given our type structure. This is where the second thing in thing comes in. Given our type structure, we don't know what to do when we start when we're on automatic and we start reacting. And I think that that's the the work of these somatic people. And Marion Gilbert mm. was the 
you know, has been the person in my learning community who really worked with us. And then I went and got some training in somatic experiencing with Peter Levine's school. And honestly, I think that's that's one of the ways to relax our system. When we're sitting there and somebody pushes our buttons and we're going to a place that's really uncomfortable, we can observe mm-hmm. the, the we can observe our okay, that's my structure. But if you know it cognitively, you're still, particularly with me as an assert type, I, I'm still going to kind of, I can, f- I'll feel myself revving up yeah. and going into the head and I can be really articulate and out talk you, but I'm really not present to you. Mm-hmm. So that's, so I, I can understand Brene and quote Brene, but am I really practicing this right now? No. And that's what I see mm-hmm. when I'm working with people that there has to be some, and I call it spiritual capacity. Maybe the spirit word sometimes is uncomfortable for people, but, um, you know, Dan Siegel would call it something like emotional regulation, self-regulation. Along kind of what you're talking about is, as of for, often um, people will mistake my depth with intimacy and my authenticity for vulnerability. Um, and that, I think it correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's kind of what you're speaking to is like absolutely that um, you're you're trying to be vulnerable, but you end up just being <laughs> authentic. Yeah, um, well, and, yeah. and 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 can you tell the difference, Creek? When oh, can somatically, you, can you notice the difference for yeah, sure, right. okay. for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a there's a little. <laughs> it's like a, a secret little voice inside my head that's just like, hmm, you're tricking them right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's that. I almost want to. I almost want to write down what you said and go back and listen to it. <laughs> Feel free. Because that's what it feels like. That's what yeah. I'm. I, you can. I can sense into when I'm facilitating mm-hmm. either somebody one on one or a team. It's like okay, so we're talking authentic language here. But right. then when we drop in, it was really interesting. I was working with a team the other day with a two, and you know they've been doing Brene Brown work for two years mm. as a team, mm. and. I invited her and worked with her on not stepping in and coming back into herself in a, in a place in the session where her type structure was really cooking, mm. right? And there she, this came out of her mouth on automatic, you know, or just, just it, to me, it came from the field. She goes, this is really vulnerable. <laughs> and, oh. and vulnerability is core one of the core values of their team but what she wow. was basically announcing yeah you could feel it it came from this place where everybody's heart just opened to it mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. this is vulnerability oh yeah. man mm. yeah and that's what it sounds like you're speaking to if your observer can know is this pseudo vulnerability <laughs> just because I'm spouting my story and and yeah. I could even sit here with with the with the three of you now and if I'm not if I'm not in myself I could sell contemplative presence right I mean mm. who we've all I've done it where I, where I'm not in a contemplative state i'm it's i'm speaking from my head of my understanding of contemplative presence and i think we have to be kind to ourselves about that because it is the first 
step in spiritual awareness is to learn about it. The second is to really develop that capacity for self-observation. The third is when it starts to happen on automatic. But mm-hmm. trust me, you will hit another layer and you'll start the circle again. That's how yeah. the transformation works. Yeah. You know? I have, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to I make sure we get to a few different things here, but I, I'd love to come back to this, honestly. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to just bring up was, you know, something I've really valued about your teaching and your communication styles, your your ability to distill complex ideas in the Enneagram to make make sense of them on a more of a digestible level. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, we recorded an episode uh, a little while ago on the, the fun topic of ego and e- essence, you know, mm-hmm. two complex words that a lot of people just seem to skim over. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very end of the whole recording, a quote of yours hit me that seemed to sum it up or at least tie it all together really well. You, you know, you've said your Enneagram type is both your obstacle to love and your opening to love. Yeah. So I wonder if, if you might expound on that, with what that means for you in light of ego and essence. Oh, you know what? Just as you say that, it's like I can feel my heart. I, I, I get a little lump in my throat that somebody mm. heard that, <laughs> you know? Honestly, <laughs> it's like... Huh. Because it feels it, it it's really a core of our learning community, which is um, your that moment that that when you can feel the sleepiness set in, the self forgetting, and the and the very distinctive ways you do that. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, wake up. <laughs> that 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 very energy itself you know, or mm-hmm. for you, Creek, when you mm-hmm. can feel longing arise, or for mm-hmm. you, Drew, when you can feel kind of um, that confusion around identity, you know, that, that shape-shifted Drew and yeah. then that, right, where you where you start right. getting discerning. That's an actual energy. And so you drop into it, you feel where it lives in your body, and you make some space for it. You welcome it with some kindness. And as you do that, and let's really the way I work with people, that that very energy of self-forgetting for you as a nine, Abram, right in there is that that starts to relax, right action starts to emerge. Mm -hmm. So for me, the energy of gluttony means I'm scared. If I start talking really fast, if I get into that kind of superiority, inferiority thing that I do when I'm in my type, um, when I relax it, usually right this, under that, you know, is some sadness, is um, some feelings of helplessness. And when I I'll make some space for that, there's a steadiness of just staying with. That's, that's constancy of seven. Mm. You know, it's kind of like with you, Creek, if you stay with your longing right? You're, the attention goes to what's missing. You stay with your longing and you're comparing. Feel it inside of you. Just be a little bit kind about it. Drop in, make some mm. space for it. That's the depth of connection. That's the equanimity of staying with. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have to go out and, you know, read up on equanimity. <laughs> it arises on its own. So, mm. When you're in that state mm. of equanimity, there's there's more of you. Then then there's other people in the field. It's not just you. You know, mm. for you and me, we're self-referencing types. Mm-hmm. You know, now I can see you because mm. I'm not so busy as a seven um, 
escaping with all of my interesting ideas, you know, or, you know, filled in the blank. Mm -hmm. That I'm present to you and I now see you. And sometimes when that happens, when I'm really in conflict with my partner and I see him, it's just like my heart opens of, mm. oh man. So he, he, I went away. It's like that roomy poem. I had you once. Where did you go? And then when I come back, I now see him and I see his own kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. And he feels it, you know, especially he's a nine. He picks up on it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that to me is where it's the, it's the obstacle when you're in it. So that very obstacle, that energy, right? As you start to relax at the virtue and I don't know if y'all knew this, but I remember listening to Helen's meditation one time. She was talking about virtue. The root word of virtue is vers. And you know what that is? Yeah. Is life force. Hmm. Mm. It's life force. And to, yeah. So to be able to access that life force comes from the relaxation of the type structure. Mm. Did that help? Did mm. that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Something else that I wanted to mention that I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that you shared online recently was your post on the three things, the distinction between Enneagram entertainment, Enneagram information, and Enneagram transformation. Oh, good. Would you be up for unpacking that for us? So what I would say, so Enneagram entertainment, because I could feel myself mm -hmm. as the entertainment, you know, people send me these memes and, and sometimes they'd crack me up and sometimes mm -hmm. I'd feel really annoyed. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times they were reducing people to, you know, a caricature. And um, and a lot of times at the beginning of when I started working with the Enneagram, that was an obstacle I really had, you know, the people, there's a real resistance to the Enneagram. And so sometimes I'd cringe, right? And um, mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what? If it weren't for these memes a lot of people wouldn't know about the Enneagram. So, so because it's their social media, that's their portal of entry. You know, give it a little, give them a break, Leslie. Mm. And that, it's, that it has a function. But, yeah. it's, but let's be clear about its function. Mm. It's, a, it's a great mm. diversion, you know. You get a little relief. Times are hard, you know. Um, the, the ones my daughter sent to me about types in a pandemic just cracked us up. And what was really interesting <laughs> is my daughter's a four, and she said, God, mom, you can tell I've interjected you and dad. I totally resonate with the seven and the nine too. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do think it's why there's a lot of stereotyping because people are getting it yeah. from the memes. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how often sixes comes, counterphobic sixes come to me thinking they're an eight. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah. that's, that's that. Enneagram information and teaching starts to, it's that, it's that first stage of awareness that I was talking about. Start learning about it. Read about it. Read, read teachers who know what they're talking about. You know, I, I, I want to know if the teacher's doing their own work. Are they, who, who did they study this with? Are they doing their own practice? Are they being trained? And then learn about the understanding of the types, the instinctual, you know, subtypes. I like, I think it's extremely helpful to understand idealizations, avoidances, the defense mechanism that really holds that structure together, because then you can work with that. You can start getting a, you can say, okay, yeah, I can see rationalization in me as a seven, right? I'm sure, you know, you see narcotization, you know, you see it, you see it all, right? Mm -hmm. So you can start observing 
Enneagram transformation is grounded in practice. And it's what I've been talking mm-hmm. about the whole time. That I can become aware, I have an inner observer, I can be aware of my patterns of thought, and that gets more subtle with time. I can, I can work with the emotion that's driving the thought. And most importantly, I can start to feel where that emotion is housed in my physical structure because that's where a lot of the defensiveness comes. Mm. And I can look at behaviors. I can observe behaviors. I can get feedback from my husband saying, you know, Leslie, (laughs) and fill in the blank of what he wants to share about how he experienced me. Mm. You know, you were a bit controlling Mm. with the kids there, right? Um, and then adherence to inner and outer practices, and that's the quadrants. Of quadrants. The inner is right. what's happening in me. The inner is what's happening in this we space with you and me. And outer is, you know, did I do what I said I was going to do? If you asked me to take out the garbage, did I do it or did I forget? You know, because as a seven, I go in my head, forget to do it, and, and that's, it's unreliable. And and also Enneagram transformation, it, it, I don't think it can happen without a teacher and or an intentional group, a guide, somebody outside yourself, because you can really get caught in your own mm. stuff. Well, thanks for doing that. That was fantastic and really helpful. Um, I think a lot of times those three things are just intermingled and yeah. it's hard for people to know what is what. So I think that's a really helpful uh, distinction and just clarity giver. So thank you for doing that. There was, a, there was research done by the Institute of Noetic Sciences done about 10 years ago of what, who are the people who change and it's attention, intention, guidance from a teacher and practice. Wow. So those That's four qualities amazing. and attention is that crack in awareness that you're seeing a lot mm-hmm. of going on right now where yeah. people see things like they didn't see them before. So that's transformation. Well, coming to a close here soon. Yeah, could you just tell us where people can find you and yeah, how we can engage this? Yeah, so um, the coming home is taking a hiatus for May because I'm teaching Wednesday nights, but that will be resumed. I will be announcing it and it'll be on Instagram. Um, Leslie Hirsch there, or um, I'm doing one on the collective wisdom and there's, a, mm. I'm doing a new, I'm, I'm going to shift a lot of the Instagram stuff on collective wisdom cohort. So that's one, one way you can find me. Um, another way would be um, the Between You and Love I taught with Helen Palmer, um, Terry Saraceno and Renee Rosario. That is through Integral Life. And that's an Enneagram class. Um it's it, it when i look back on it y'all it's it's a it's it's sometimes i think it's too much i would do it differently mm-hmm. now but it's but it's actually no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry that one was patterns mm-hmm. of being with helen terry and renee mm. i love that one that's a retreat you can get that and it's all panel work and it's really good that's on integral life mm. then there's the one between you and love that i did um my with um david reardon and that's Enneagram type. That's also on Integral Life. I really like that. Just go slow. It's, it's got a lot of information. I've interviewed Helen. I mean, it's a lot. I've interviewed panelists. Um, but it's a, it's a fount of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am going to be doing the Collective Wisdom cohort. And I'm actually going to be asking people to apply to it. Mostly because I want to just, um, I want it to be grounded in uh, uh, really deep state of intention. 
I don't want to be a school. I feel like there's good schools out there. I mm. love the narrative school. Um, and I don't want to be a school. Mm. I want to be the place after you've, after you've gone to school. Yeah. I want to be a place that's mm. focused on this collective wisdom with the collective um, mm. with a strong level of intention, attention, practice, and guidance. It's mm. that. And that That's is good. that my plan was going to be the first retreat was going to be in August. Mm. Oh. And yeah, yeah. So, just, yeah. So, I would pay attention. Just, you know, follow me on Instagram. It'll be announced there oh, when man. those apps, you know, I'm just going to ask people to apply. And it's really about, I'm going to invite people I think would have an interest in it and then people who just feel drawn towards it. And it's going to be inviting them into deeper work. Um, and did, what else? Oh, the meditations. Yeah, I made those years ago. And they're still, those are like the little engine that could. People just are still getting them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And I do I do one-on-one work with people. But pay attention because I'm, mm. I'm it's always like what's alive for me, uh, you know. That's how I do these courses. And that's yeah. the, the uh, coming home cohort will probably start again. But mm. I'm just going to see cool. what's going on in the field when, you know. To see what's needed, yeah. I'll see what's needed. Yeah, and we'll yeah. put links to the show awesome. in the show notes to those yeah. those things and um, into my website. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and your Instagram and and all of that. Yeah, and I'll, what I'll do Total. is I'll I'm working on the Collective Wisdom yeah. Cohort website right now, and that's what I've been doing yeah. with my my web guy. And um, yeah, I'll let you know when that link is up. But we're really having Great. to retool. Sure, mm. sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, Leslie, this has been uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for your time for sure. and for your wisdom. Um, before we finish, I just want to ask if there's anything else on your heart in the moment, you know, that, that comes up if, if you want to share or leave with our listeners. Oh, let me give a, let me think for a moment. There's a lot of fragmentation out there in the field, in the world. And we need grown-ups right now who are committed to waking up. And we need conscious people to midwife something different. It can't be Mm -hmm. an outside adventure only. There's got to be that internal practice and um, to guide your external action in the world, wherever you're called. And so that's going to take for you, for all of you out there, is to start working with your own internal fragmentation and, you know, integrating it. (laughs) Because it's not about being perfect. It's not about I've, I've transformed and now I've arrived. Because every one of us is being impacted by what's going on out there. And where that's going to be housed in our cellular structure. <laughs> and when you do your work, you're healing what came before, those who came before you, because their cells and their life experience is housed in you. And you're giving hope to the next generation by doing this work. Mm. So good. That is so good. Mm. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. This has just been a pleasure. And maybe one day we'll be able to see each other in person. 
Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> Absolutely. And go out for a meal where we're not driving around for 45 minutes out of the hour. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, we have to make that happen for sure. Uh, and we definitely have to have you back. Uh, there's, we could talk yes. for hours for sure. And uh, selfishly, yeah. it's really nice to have another assertive type in the digital room. So <laughs> so thank you for that, Leslie. All right, Drew. I'm, I'm elbow bumping you right now, buddy. That's right. No, no offense taken. <laughs> All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.